We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Quick lull in the Euros means it's time for all the transfer rumors to go totally crazy. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Yeah, look. England progress. We we covered that in the Euro 2020 daily, but congrats to, to Clive and Tim and to Phil who's been joining me on that, um, you know, and to all the England fans listening, as we said. Uh, but the lull in the Euros means that now the, the transfer rumors can go a bit nutty. And also, apparently, some transfer business can get done. Uh, Arsenal nearing deals for Lukanga and Tavares, as we mentioned. We'll touch on that today. Uh, linked with Locatelli, we'll touch on that. Um, and to the extent that we think there's any veracity there. Um, I can tell you my short answer is no, but that's okay. We'll get into it. Uh, that's why Whiskers is here to, to keep you on your toes. Uh, we are going to have Pedro from the Grove on after the break, so you don't want to miss that. And I do want to let you know that the early registration wave for the Vegas event was actually really impressive, and thank you for that. So uh, if you didn't see it, I posted pictures of the new, the new uh, Blue Wire podcast studio that we're going to be using for part of that event, uh, and it is way too classy for this podcast. So, so I don't know what we're going to do about that, but we're going to do something. We're going to go class the joint down, or maybe hopefully Clive will help us not get kicked out of there. We'll see. Um, but we do want to see you in Vegas. Go to footballfest2021.com and register. It's totally free to register. You get a wristband. You can have all these free drinks and come to the event and it's at the win and it's going to be amazing. There's a WWE event uh, that weekend there too that I'm going to have to perform in, obviously, so I'll see how I can split my time. But I do look great in a unitard, so that is good to know. You can also buy Clive merchandise. You could even buy Tim, Paul, Scott, and Elliot merchandise. There's some fun mugs, and I know people have been getting them and sending pictures and saying that they came out nice and the, sh- the shirts and the hoodies as well. So thanks for that. Um, you can just click the shop link on our website, arsenalvisionpodcast.com, if you want to do that. Enough of that nonsense. Pause on Twitter. Pause my pants. Little pause. Woo-hoo. I don't think you can call people a unitard anymore, by the way. Okay. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. <laughs> hello, Clive. Hello, hello. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I, the funny thing is I said on Twitter, Paul's first analogy is going to get us kicked out of that studio <laughs> in Vegas. Uh, so he's just sharpening that, sharpening that tool, so to speak. Um, let's get into Rumorville a little bit and, and start with one that I'm hoping we could just quickly agree on and dismiss, and that is Manuel Locatelli. Locatelli's an interesting one because... Um, when Muhammad was on our Patreon scouting podcast, not last summer, but even the summer before, Locatelli is a guy we talked about. And he loved him. Absolutely loved him. Data loved him. Scout, video scouting loved him. Clive then talked about him on, on one of our uh, midfield uh, 
scouting podcasts as well on Patreon. And, and so he's a guy that has been on the radar and then has been impressive at the Euros, which will lead people to say, oh, guy stars at the Euros and suddenly we're linked. I think it goes a little deeper than that. But there's not a big history of Serie A stars coming to the Premier League and being great. And usually they do stay in Italy and Juve are linked. So I do wonder if this is just a little bit of getting Juve to pull their finger out and do the business, but they're also broke. So, you know, hard to balance. Uh, Clive, I'll start with you just on this. Locatelli, set aside whether the rumor is true. If we could get him, is he the guy you'd want to put next to Thomas Party? How well does he fit for you in terms of need? Yeah, so he's someone I know of, but don't, you know, so I don't watch him every single week. So I read all the magazines and read what people say, and uh, lots of people. You still read magazines? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Uh, I read Scouted Football. Really good. Phil writes for it. Come on, man. That's oh, the best one out there. I, I, a digital and, um, magazine. So, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so I, I hear about his players. So first thing, I think he did well in one of the first games in the Euros. I thought, you look quite nice and statuesque and, and graceful. And, okay, you're not bad. And then I look at him and think, okay, they pay a 4-3-3 for Italy. And I was talking to my mate Giles this morning. And they play for for Sassuolo. He plays on, in a double pivot to the left-hand side. I'm thinking, oh, we've got a bit of a hole left-hand side or double pivot. And so, yeah, he looks nice, isn't he? He looks nice. I, I can't swear by him, Elliot. You know, you can't know every player as well as another player. But he looks nice. I worry about his intensity and his, and his legs and his movement. But I would do for any Italian player coming to the first 11 at Arsenal. But... On paper, he looks wonderful, and many people smarter than me swear by him. So um, I'll listen to them on this on this occasion. Yeah, I think one of the issues, Paul, is purely just the Italy to Premier League transition in terms of whether this would be something you'd want to do, and we'll we'll quickly discuss whether it could even happen because I think heavy skepticism here is warranted. But this is an interesting one in general, not just in the Locatelli transfer, but. Leagues where talent seems to transfer well. You know, you hear League On is a farmer's league. People love the farmer's league thing, but League On has probably produced some of the best Premier League talent. Um, the Bundesliga, not always been a great transition. Serie A, you know, and I, I am not a student of every transfer that's ever happened, uh, nor really a student of anything anymore. Uh, but I don't think Serie A transfers have always been super effective. Now, to be fair, uh, Thierry Henry did technically <laughs> come from there, so I, I think that one worked out okay. But but Italian stars from Syria coming over, I don't know that that's a big pipeline for talent into the Premier League. So how do you feel about you know whether what he's the numbers he's posted there and the degree to which he's been super impressive, which he has, is something that you feel would translate? And and how do you generally think about crossing leagues? Do you have sort of a hierarchy in your mind on that? Uh, well, you're distracting me with the league. Uh, what is it good for? Uh, creating talent. Lots of attacking talent. Say it again. Yeah. Lots of attacking <laughs> talent. Say yeah. it again. Yeah. Yeah. League. Uh, no? Okay. We, um, we only have a very limited period of time together today before we're going to go to part two. So so while I love that, I'm let's do more. I'm because I don't have a great answer oh. for the Italy. I don't really understand it. Like, uh, this guy looks very, very good. Um, he looks pretty mobile. And uh, look, um, I love Chaka, but it shouldn't be too hard to have somebody who's more mobile uh, than him. When you look at how he plays, how party plays, uh, they'd be a great, uh, great pairing as uh, as pivots. And in the same way, I I think 
predict is a strong word, but hoped, predicted that Chaka and party would find a balance, and they did, and it, it varied from game to game. This guy, like, he's he, he's definitely a deep-lying playmaker. He's pretty mobile. I mean, like, on the Chaka scale, he's way ahead. So um, I don't really understand why Italy doesn't translate so well, uh, but France does. Uh, this guy looks, I mean, he's not reputed for being super mobile but you know from from what i've watched in in the euros i didn't really know i knew the name beforehand and uh, the bit of scouting you do when he's uh on the arsenal radar um he looks pretty mobile um he can dribble he can he can beat a man he can open up a little space he's he's not charging into the box he's he's playing where chaka would play um, and Chaka did get forward a little bit, and this guy does. So uh, why it wouldn't translate based on what I know of him, what I've seen, I don't know. But it tends to be the case. Italy uh, is not the same as the Premier League. I think this guy is so super smart, clever with the ball, uh, good close skills. He'll he'll be one that does. Um, and I mean, Jorginho is getting by, so, you know. It can be done. Um, yeah. And in terms of the rumors, like the way I read the rumors are, I don't know that we've submitted a bid, but we're clearly talking to them or have talked to them and said, this Locatelli fella, uh, let us know uh, if things don't work out with Juventus, because obviously he would fix some problems with us. So I'm sure there's there's uh, some fire, but maybe not not a blazing fire for the smoke that's going on. They picked our name to flash it around for a reason. Yes, to get Juventus going. But I suspect it gets shut down way too quick if there isn't some truth to it. Whereas they contact Arsenal. Arsenal can't say there's, well, they could, but they probably didn't say there's no truth to it. The chances that we actually put in a bid, well, that's another story. The thing that scares me, I think, with midfielders coming from a league like Syria in particular is we know that a midfielder with one second more time or one yard more space can look a totally different player than without it. Granite Shaka in international football is a better player than Granite Shaka in club football. Not because he's a different guy, but because he has the room to do some of the things he cannot execute in the Premier League. Every player who comes in the Premier League will tell you the thing that's hardest to adapt to is you can't breathe. There's just that less, you know, that that second less of time to operate, that yard less of space. And when you look at Locatelli, his data at least looks like a Shaka, but without the Shaka weaknesses. Like he does have goals in him, he does have assists in him, decent, you know, decent creative and goal scoring output that Shaka doesn't have. He has some dribbles in him that Shaka doesn't have. He has some of the. Oh no, problem. You know, just throw things around the room. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was t- typing really heavy on the keyboard trying to get your attention, and now I'm just like smashing, dropping stuff on the table, smashing glasses. But but the 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 point is that those things that Locatelli has in his game that make him look really attractive and compelling and, and like they fill gaps in Shaka's game trying to assess how much of that is a byproduct of the extra time and space he has is hard. Um, and that's where, you know, watching the tape, you can say, well, I've seen him. He, he does look a little more creative in the final third. He does look a little more mobile. And I agree with that, but it is just so hard because Granite Shaka has been, you know, one of the players of the tournament in the Euros in an international environment where he just has a little bit more space to operate. So before we move off of this, 
Paul, just staying with you for one second. Like, we're trying to move Shaka to Italy, mm. right, to Roma. Um, that means they know that there's a midfielder that we need. Are we looking at Locatelli? We'd be silly not to. I mean, any club that needs a midfielder will certainly inquire about it. Sassuolo wants more money for um, from Juve. Juve's kind of broke. It, I guess if you had to say to me, which is more likely, Juve can't afford Locatelli, and he's going to leave Serie A and come to the Premier League to a mid-table club. Now, again, I know our stature. I know our wages we can pay, but we're not in Champions League. We don't have anything you know to offer competitively in that at that level. Or he's going to wait it out and get his Juve move. It just, to me, I cannot imagine that this player is not just going to wait it out, stay in Italy like so many Italian stars do, get his move to Juve, you know, at a club that can pay, you know, pre-tax wages that wind up probably being just as good as what we can realistically offer and give him, you know, football at a higher level unless he wants to try himself in the Premier League as a possibility. So I see this more as all just part of the fun world of negotiating to get deals done. But do you see it differently? Do you have a little more credibility in the rumor? So you're saying there's a chance. Oh, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, look, Messi's a free agent. <laughs> we we haven't talked about whether we can sign Messi yet. You know, I mean, we do know that, uh, you know, Ars- look, I think, is he one of the players Arsene Wenger famously said he looked at him and, and passed or say? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, look, there's definitely a chance because, as you said, we're going to spend big money on somebody. Like if we were looking at, Ruben Neves for 40-ish million. Um, We've got 40 million, and that's maybe 40 million Juventus doesn't have or or 20 million they don't have or 15 million on top of what they have. Um, And we can pay the wages. I mean, Juventus can pay the wages, but maybe they don't want to. They have the tax advantage, but that's about it. Um, So, you know, you, you stay in there. If it doesn't happen with Juventus, uh, the Italian league in general is is struggling financially, uh, and we're apparently prepared to plunk down 40, 40 million, and he comes into our wage structure and gets paid really, really well. And it's it's still Arsenal. It's it's the it's he might be more comfortable with Juventus winning stuff, the Champions League. I mean, maybe he has a point there. Um, but this is the best league in the world. Uh, one of the premier clubs on the way back up, we would say. Champions League next year, maybe. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. We've got our hat in the ring. There can't be. There won't be that many options. But uh, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's a twenty percenter. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of Italian national team players that are applying their trade in the Premier League right now. Obviously, Jorginho comes to mind. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I'm sure there is someone, and I'm just not thinking of them, but it's it's not a big tradition. Um, a lot of them do tend to stay in Syria. Um, Verratti is at PSG, obviously. Um, trying to think. Emerson is at Chelsea, right? Um, so I get, you know, there is that Chelsea Much link. Longer. What was that? <clears throat> Not for much longer. I think they want him out. Yeah, well. I think um, it, it, Italian Italian league is. Um, we just signed a new deal with Dazone. Dazone are really exploding in in sport, and it'd be interesting to see how much money they get going forward. I think what's the Italian league for growth? But right now they are skint. They are proper proper skint. 
And the market is really quite concerning, actually, because everyone's pushing for high prices to to sell, but when they're going to buy, it's quite low. And and the Premier League is still sitting there with the most money of all, and everyone knows it. And I think it's going to be a real cloak-and-dagger approach on all of these signings. And let's see these numbers fall towards the end of the year, which doesn't really help Arsenal. They need a proper pre-season, need these players integrated, need these players on tours. Contract day is today. And so everyone is now free or into their next contract. So, but yeah, this is when it starts to move. And it's going to be interesting to see who's got the minerals to hold their shape and hold their form when it comes to not overpaying. And this is why when you look at some of our homegrown type signings from within the league, that market is internalized. And it's not going to change based on the rules. So you might see some of the homegrown type ones go first before we go to Europe and say to them, okay, how much are you prepared to play poker with us? Because you've you've got real money issues. So I'm afraid it's not going to be smooth, mate. It's going to be a, a long, long run, long run. Well, let's talk about something that, that is going to happen. And that's Tavares, Nuno Tavares uh, coming to Arsenal. Young, talented left back, looks like an attacking profile, hasn't played a lot because he is behind an excellent left back at his home club. But, Clive, this is a deal that is getting, I think, a lot more excitement and enthusiasm in the the circles I travel in on social media and on Discord and Patreon than you might expect for a relatively inexpensive backup left back. I do wonder sometimes, and I am guilty of this, if... We see expensive, obvious English player, and we're just like, meh. And then we see unheard of, young, cheap, foreign player. I'm like, ooh, we're getting clever. And we don't actually interrogate the deal beyond that, which obviously is not um, the way you want to go. So I do have to admit that it looks clever. He's young. He's highly rated. He's talented. He hasn't played a lot, but his, his path is sort of blocked. He's coming to another club, though, where his path is sort of blocked. And he does come with some rumor of some attitude issues. The fans there don't seem too sorry to see him go. So is this one maybe just because I think most people have been like, "Mm, seems smart, seems good, happy. Is it maybe a little more complicated than that? Or are you just excited for this guy to arrive? I just look at the football side. He obviously has got a couple of things against his name. I don't don't think he's quite a Guendouzi, but he's not a little flower neither. He's going to sit in the background. Um, From the football side of things, he looks like a very leggy attacking fast wing back really and so if we're going to have a wing back it tends to be on our, on our left side um because we we overload on that side and we defend differently on that side so again to re, rather than having Saka doing that job we can get someone else do that job i do feel sometimes as fans we underplay the importance of having left back a left footed cover left back cover it's really important with the right speed and profile we just watched France go out of the Euros just because they lost a couple of left-backs. Their squad is absolutely loaded. They lose two left-backs. They're in a situation where, just like us, they put the wrong person there. They disrupted their centre-back partnership. They took a player out of midfield, put a centre-midfielder at wing-back and just got ruined by Granit Xhaka. I mean, so mm. we lost we lost our season based on the left-back getting injured and potentially a centre midfielder getting injured because if Pai doesn't get injured versus Spurs, we don't have. To, I don't think we have that pre-Christmas run. And I think we're in a much better place than where we could have been. But the players that come in to replace Party are nothing like him. So we've often heard. Well, you you guys have heard me talk about flaws and ceilings. I think what these signings are doing are they're raising the floor. 
when we lose our first pick, we don't have to change our clothes. We can still be us. We don't have to fall off the cliff because we can't play a certain game because the replacement players don't do anything like what the first team players can do. So I, that's what excites me about these. Again, if we, you know, we could easily flip him, you know, use him in game, say we come towards the end of a game, he also plays left midfield. So you can imagine towards the end of a game we're trying to hold on. You just stick him in front of Tierney and say, beat those two. You know, there, there's ways to get minutes for a player based on game state. It's not just starts and current cup competitions, etc. So interesting, attacking, fast, tall, technical, two-footed player that's played right back. Let's have a look at him and see if he's an absolute good player or somebody that's going to take Gwendouzi's place in the squad for being disruptive. We'll soon find out. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting one, right? Because, I mean... The the thing is, he's coming to a club as a young, talented player where normally I think when you acquire those guys, you say, we're not quite ready for him to be the guy yet, but we think we have something here. If all goes right, let's say, and I know people say, well, it's unlikely it won't happen, but let's say Tierney doesn't get injured. If all goes right, we'll actually never, ever use Tavares in the Premier League at all, if all goes <laughs> right. Um, and maybe not ever, right? Because Tierney's our guy. He's our future captain. We locked him up to a new expensive deal. We are not looking for the guy to replace Kieran Tierney. So interestingly, um, you wind up in this situation, Paul, where you have a, a, a talented, potentially a little bit precocious young player who doesn't actually really have a path to earning the position. Now, what I've been told is that he's very two-footed. And I kind of look over at the right side and say... Maybe we're not going to buy a right back right now. And we're going to try to make it work with Chambers. And Cedric is still at the club, which is really wonderful. And maybe Bellerin goes. But we see if Tavares, maybe in the League Cup, maybe in the FA Cup, this is where Europa League might be helpful. Can he play on the right? Because if he is very two-footed, he may be a guy who can come in when Tierney's not there and you don't lose that attacking style. You get some of the same characteristics, but may develop into a guy who can also be the option on the right. And if that's the case, you have a really interesting solution. So what do you see as the thought process behind bringing in a talented young guy where you have a very established, still relatively young guy as the starter in the position he plays? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough one, right? Your other option is something like a Ryan Bertrand and like we're – I don't think that's the worst kind of idea in the world, but we're jaded on those. We've had uh, Licksteiner, we've had Cedric, uh, we had um, that chap from Newcastle who got injured. Mind you, he was he became a starter for us, but Debushi. Um, uh, mm-hmm. um, so we've kind of done a few of these. I know they're all a little different, but there's a kind of a similarity in them, and we're a bit jaded with very very experienced fullbacks. Um, who can potentially play two sides of the pitch. I, I guess the other thing is you see more a right-sided fullback who can play on the left side because they've had the experience because there aren't that many uh, left-footed fullbacks. So uh, I guess I more expect a right-sided full the Cedric scenario where a right-footer can play on the left to a degree. Um it is kind of interesting that we didn't just lean into Cedric for our left fullback this season. I guess none of us are surprised, but maybe we should be surprised we're not surprised. Because if if um, Tierney can play almost all the games this season, because he's only playing once a weekish, 
um, you would think he's a good, pretty good chance to cover the full season. Um, and last year, I think we, the manager would have said, well, we'll play Tierney, and for the couple of games, he may not be available. We'll use Cedric or we'll use Saka. So it is interesting from a Cedric future standpoint that that isn't the way we went. You would think if Tierney missed five, six games, the manager would say, okay, well, we'll use Saka or, and or Cedric, depending on how things are going. But we've, we brought in a young fella, as you said, he's two footed. So maybe we think to use him on the right, but I'm not going to bet too much on that one. Um, If we bring in Ben White, we've got like four options that could play on the right at a, at a pinch. So I don't think that's, that might be something we do because he's here and he needs games. It's not something we do because we got nobody else who can play right back at the moment. Of course, we might sell one or two, but we'd still have options on the right. Um, so it's an interesting one. I mean, attitude issues, perhaps, perhaps not. Maybe a change of culture uh, and the people around him. I mean, he was surrounded by Portuguese people and they're very, very lively. So he'd be getting away to nice, stable British environment where everybody's very calm and reasonable. So just maybe just a change of scenery might be good for him. And uh, he knows his expectations. Also, he'll be getting his wages tripled. That always improves my mood. So (laughs) I'll probably get at least a year of a good attitude. He won't have much to do. He'll have a lot of money in his pocket. He he needs a year to adjust to a new league and new, new environment. He might be more than happy to be the backup to Kieran Tierney for a year and then see how it goes. And then uh, when we're back in Europe next year, he gets lots of games, uh, gets himself in the shop window. I think it's a win-win all around. Why not? Uh, Don't know much about him. Obviously, I've looked at the YouTubes and uh, he looks very, very exciting. But then so do I on YouTube. Mm. Um, I've seen you on YouTube and I don't agree. (laughs) But you know what? Scouting is about your eye. I hear hear you, Paul. I mean... um, Let's, let's not spend too much time on this yet. <clears throat> He'll sign. We'll talk a little bit more about <clears throat> what his future might be. But I think, look, if you look at our cheap, young acquisitions, Ganduzi massively hit. Now, his ego, his attitude caused that to fall apart. But he did massively hit in the sense that we got him for cheap and he wound up being a lot more talented than anyone expected. Martinelli, massively hit. This one, again, feels like a good, safe, cheap thing. And the thing I like is style-wise, like if you look at Kolasinac, or you look at Cedric, and you look at Tierney, and you say, if Tierney's out, we can't play the same system unless we move Saka over there. Tavares as an attacking left back, at least theoretically, can come in, maybe a little rough around the edges, but with the same system. I read a great article talking about what you want from your backup fullbacks, and it, it said, basically, fullback is such an important position right now that you really do want to have someone in reserve who can come in and stylistically give you what the other guy give you. So you don't wind up doing things like playing Shaka back there and changing your whole system. So I think Tavares could do that. I think it's an interesting one. Clive and I will try to add it. We're going to do a Lakanga scouting video tomorrow for patrons. So you can jump in for that. Um, but we'll try to throw Tavares in there. My only thing with that is he's so young and he's played so infrequently. There just may not be enough video for it to add a lot. So we'll see what's available, but Lakanga for sure. And we'll talk Lakanga more when that one gets signed. I think that's a slightly different situation where he could play a lot right now. And he is the heir apparent to a good guy ahead of him, <clears throat> but that guy is 28. So it's a little bit different than with Tierney. 
Um, before we end this section, we're going to talk a lot about the Ben White fee and the Sancho thing with, with Pedro from the Grove and talk about value and, and things like that with him in the transfer market. But Mavropanos going to Stuttgart. Clive, I just want to touch on this for a second. We're about to make Ben White the third most expensive center back transfer in history. And that's fine. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. We'll, you know, more debate on that to come. But Mavropanos is a starter for a mid-table Bundesliga side. And by all mean measure, a very good player that's pretty highly rated. The data seems to like him. And he's going for like less than 5 million euro. And, you know, obviously Sven, Sven Mislintat knows a thing or two about our players. And this player, he, he's he's the one who scouted him initially. Mavropanos has major, I mean, not just kind of injury problems like Tierney, major career challenging injury problems. But do you find this at all strange that a guy who is a starter in a top five league for a mid-table side, widely regarded as good, whose data shows as good, can be more than 50 million pounds less than another guy? And again, that's not me downplaying Ben White's quality, but but I, I'm really struggling to see Premier League value versus Continental value right now because this, to me, feels a little bit like Stuttgart are stealing him. So do you have a sense at all about how we arrive at a number like that and how to interpret that sort of thing? Yeah, so there are rumors of a sell-on clause from Afropanos for around, he may even be 30%. That's a lot, so, yep, to be fair. So when he goes so to Bayern also, next season for 50, you know, we'll get yeah, somewhere so also, in the neighborhood of 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've said, you know what? There didn't seem to be a market for him. So despite the fact that he looks good on paper, well, I didn't see 10 teams coming to buy him. So there's no market to buy him. And so he's gone and stayed there. I'm all right with it, right? So I don't see the, the, the analogy between the two players. If you want to talk about you know, homegrown players and their value, well, that's only going to get that's only going to increase just due to the the rules. It's just going to increase. And um, we look around the England squad and the under 21 squad. There's no bargains there, mate, at all. There is just none. There is none. And and also they're trying to do something there. I don't think they. No, I think they're doing it based on birth certificate. There's a good player that they're looking at in Ben White, and he fits what they're trying to do from a playing style perspective. And yeah, is I think he's five mil too heavy. I think I'd like to see thirty-five plus five or forty plus five. It's probably going to be forty-five plus five. So, and that's just the way it is. Um, hopefully, we get it back and we go to move Willock, Maitland Niles, Nadine and Ketir on. Hopefully, we see some of that coming back our way because Willock could be twenty-five plus five, and he wasn't that six months ago. Right, so it doesn't take much to boost your value. You know, Jack Grealish, Tottenham had a deal for him a few years ago, twenty-five million. They blew it. Now it'd be one hundred and five million he's going for. Things move very, very fast. It's almost impossible to to gauge it and understand it. It's just the market there is, and and how we move within it. I, I'm I do have a concern about the fact that we all know we need to rebuild. There is nobody with cash, and we need to move this thing on, and. Everyone knows we need to move this thing on, so it's going to be it's going to be scary. It, it is, man. I have I haven't got the powers to calm me on this one. <laughs> I think it's going to be that scary, and I normally can, but I don't. Don't talk about Maverick Pounds. He two games plays well out. It's just it is what it is with him. He doesn't want to be here. I also haven't got room for him. I think there's a, probably a bigger issue with Saliba, if I'm honest with you, due to the numbers that we've actually paid out for him. We spent two million quid for Maverick Pounds. We spent 27 million on William Saliba, and that's still 
a very unclear situation. Yeah, that was just a mistake. I mean, it is what it is. It, it's just interesting because I think the thing about the transfer market is that it's starting to decouple from a sense of value. There are players that go for fees where you just shake your head. There are players that go for fees where you shake your head because it seems too low. And trying to understand how that works is going to be interesting. And I think as the Premier League gets richer and richer and richer and the continent gets less and less well off, at least in the short term, we're going to see this expand because we touched on this in the previous pod. But, you know, if you put a player on 120000 a week who's a decent player, there's nothing wrong with that wage in the Premier League, but good luck selling him to the continent. So this is going to be an interesting dynamic. And I'll be curious to watch Mavropanis' career if he stays fit, you know, and see you know, where where that goes. But also, we have a lot of business to do, and I heard on the Arscast they made this point. Sometimes you just have too much business to do, not enough time to do it, and you have to move on players and get going. So uh, we are just about out of time in this segment. I'll stay with you for a second, Clive, and, and Paul, let you chime in here. But we do have an academy kid that just went to Brentford. Uh, this has happened before. Josh DeSilva rejected a contract and went to Brentford. They have a model for acquiring these academy players who are cast off at other clubs and develop and building them up. Um, I can't remember, but they just they sold two players. I want to say Ollie Watkins was one of them, maybe. Um, and yep. they had another player that they sold into the Premier League who were cast off academy ben, players. Ben who was it? Ben Rama. Yep, that's right, Ben Rama. Ben Rama. So this is their model. Find big club academy players who don't have a path to first team and convert them into players that they can sell on for value that we don't have the ability to generate. So... It's, his name is Oyagoke, I guess, um, and apologies if I'm mispronouncing that, but he, he seems to be behind other players at his position for us. So is this just one of those things where you can't keep them all? Yeah, up to a point. Um, there's a player called, oh, I never get his first name, Norton Cuffey, who's a right back, and he's playing for England at his age group, and I think maybe he's blocking his pathway. As we said before, these academy kids are not waiting around anymore. They're going to move. They're going to move in country because they know they're – they know their value. They know their homegrown value, and they're going to make sure they play. Brentford's model is interesting because they close their academy and they use this B team model. And it's what's interesting about it is they play proper games. It's always a competition that you play against. A lot of these academy games are a little bit um, soft. You're playing other academy teams where they're trying to play young players. You're playing them up. If you're a 19-year-old, you're playing against 16, 17-year-olds, that's not going to progress you. That's why the low market flourishes. The BT model at, at Brentford, they're playing strong Bayern Munich teams, and they're playing good teams. They're playing good non-league teams, proper teams, people that are paying for their mortgages. You know what I mean? And it's real. And that development is really important to a young player so he can f- test himself technically and physically. And that's why they develop well. And then they become saleable assets. You know, they get them at the right age. I know people have left my near where I live, Luton, and gone to to Brentford and got pro contracts where they were not getting them at their current club, their previous clubs. And they're out there earning money now. And I think it's a great thing that they're doing. It really shines a light on the fact that these academy games, are they providing enough real development for these players? And they hit that wall... Some come through like Saka and they become immediate stars, and some don't. There's a number of players at Arsenal that got to get out on loan this year. Otherwise, they're going to be just names we used to talk about because they're just plateaued. So, one to watch, and it's just one of those that we've lost. Um, Daniel Ballard also went yep. to Millwall today. Yep. He's, a, he's another local lad to me. Now that's alone. That's alone. That's alone. He's got, he's got, he's got, he's a good player. He's a good player. Going to be a good championship, premiership player. 
one to watch that kid. He's really a good lad. So, um, so yeah, just way the West, mate. And the one gone, but um, there'll be others to go as well. We have to get used to it. it does always work out. Daniel Xavier Amici went. He left us, went over to Germany. Now come back on to Bolton on loan. Doesn't always work out, you know. It's not always green the other side, but these kids are fighting for their career, and it's a one to watch, one to watch. Yeah, and I think look, you cannot at a big club find a path for all of your academy players. You just can't. Sometimes it's going to be a big miss, and you know that's going to happen. I think it's rare. I think for you to lose your academy players right into the Premier League, but this is kind of Brentford's model. So, you know, it's more of a how they approach things and, you know, whether or not he winds up ever playing, we'll see. So, um, Paul, we're sort of out of time, but just real quick. I mean, do you have do you have any thoughts on that? Basically, cosign that you can't keep them all. And and the good news is we have talented guys ahead of him. So let's be excited about those. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, uh, Kido Taylor Hart is the one that I think we really, he's the new Balogun, right? He's the hes the talented guy that we're afraid might <clears throat> the contract might not go our way. Um, so that's the next one in the hopper of, um, if we can keep that level of talent and we lose the level below that, I guess that's just kind of the way it goes uh, in the model, and it's a shame. But if we can keep the Balogans, um, the Sackas, the Smithrows, that level of talent... Um, we'll be doing all right. And, of course, the uh, next season, we don't really have the games for these younger fellows going, coming through. But if we can keep uh, Kido Taylor-Hart, Aziz, um, as they come up, um, get Balogun busy next year yep. at that level. I think below that, you, it's, as, as uh, Clive described, these guys are scrapping for yep. a career in their existence. So. Well said. I, uh, unfortunately, am out of time for this. We're going to come back with Pedro after the break. But, look, if you're out of time, the easiest way to make sure you maximize your time is to be more aerodynamic. And to be more aerodynamic, what do you just shave off the body hair? That, that just, boom, you cut right through the wind. You're where you need to go on time. And you know how you do it? With Manscaped. You go to manscaped.com, use promo code Arsenal Vision. You get the lawnmower. You get the perfect package. You get the weed whacker, ear hair gone, nose hair gone, body hair gone. We're going to get you so freaking aerodynamic that you could probably get to Vegas without a plane for the event. So go to manscaped.com, use promo code Arsenal Vision. You're going to get no nicks, no cuts, no scratches, long battery life, wet, dry. It's the perfect thing to take with you when travel comes back, by the way. So go there, manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. We're going to take a break to tell you how to get your teeth straight so you're just all sorted out for Vegas or wherever you're going or whoever you're seeing. And then when we come back, we will have Pedro from LaGrove. So Paul's on Twitter, pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo. Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank Great. you very much. <laughs> all right, stay with us. We'll be back with more after this. There's a specialist for just about everything, right? When my car breaks down, I go to a mechanic. When there's a problem with my shower, I call a plumber. When I shower. So when you want to get your uneven, crooked teeth fixed, you see an orthodontist. They're the specialists. And that's what sets Candid, the invisible, comfortable, and removable aligners above the rest. While poorly reviewed or insanely priced clear aligner companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists. And with Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. Your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. You can book an appointment at a Candid studio near you or do everything from the comfort and convenience of your own home. 
The average candid treatment is just six months. You'll start seeing results way before that, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. And with your aligner treatment, you'll even get Candid's teeth whitening free. Candid can help you get the straighter, brighter smile you've always wanted. Right now, you can save $75 on your Candid starter kit when you get started from home. Go to candidco.com slash vision and use code vision. That's candidco.com slash vision, code vision. Candidco.com slash vision, code vision. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save. All right, we're back, and now we are going to have an interesting segment, hopefully talking about transfer value, some of the latest rumors, how this rebuild that we are undertaking should be structured. And we're going to do it with someone who may not agree with me on everything, because I think it's fair to say that he is known as being hashtag Team Positive Gooners, and that is Pedro. You can find him on Twitter, at LaGrobe. Hello, Pedro. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, Elliot. I'm very excited to be on this show. got a lot of friends that, uh, that listen to this, so they're mm. going to be in the, in the DMs a little bit later. And uh, yeah, can't wait to chat to you about uh, some of the hot topics that are going on. Early humble brag about having a lot of friends, so good for you. Proud of you. Yes. I, I don't, but I've heard that can be fun. Uh, that's why I'm actually throwing the Vegas event, so I can say, look at these people who are my friends, even though they're there for other people. Uh, and I'm trying to talk you into attending that, but we can get to that later. So... This is interesting. I just want to start with like a little meta bit here because my following of you goes back years and years and years to the very beginning of Twitter in 2009 and even before that when I just started reading and writing blogs of my own. And it was the the Wenger in, Wenger out wars, not always the best time uh, in the Arsenal fandom, very polarizing time. And you were a very loud voice on one side of that discussion. And I was like, who's this guy? He seems very angry and negative. And now I'm like, who's this guy? He seems very positive and supportive. And so you've been on quite the journey across the spectrum. Um, and, and I've watched this with, with great interest. So I think it's fair to say that you are uh, watching Arteta with an optimistic eye, that you still feel good about his project and where he's taking us. And we can definitely dive into that. But as an entry point, let's start with the Ben White deal. The rumors now have this deal possibly pushing up as high as 55 million pounds. And I'm just curious whether you still feel that this is the right player at the right price at the right time based on on what the details of the deal look like now? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the first place to start is uh, the sad reality that Arsenal had the third best defense in the Premier League last season without any standout centre-back. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think the, the player that made Arsenal tick as a unit was David Luiz and... I know that the Arsenal coaching staff believed that David Luiz was our best centre-back last season. So I think, you know, the starting point is that we have to replace um, what he offered the team in terms of like build-up play, um, in terms of um, of leadership, if we can. And we've got to be smart about it. Ben White is a player that slipped under the radar. But the more you sort of dig into what he's about, the more excited you get. You know, like, I'm going to I'm gonna call it the Saka and Foden propaganda that slipped into <laughs> the, the news cycle. You know, they don't have to say that Ben White is an impressive player, but they both came out and said so. And then when you look at uh, some of the basics, you're like, well, he's, he's worked under Bielsa, one of the most... Uh, brutal coaches when it comes to um, fitness and tactical astuteness in the world. You know, he's got a training game called Murder Ball mm. and Ben White survived and thrived um, in, in that Leeds United system. 
um, played almost every game, which shows that he's um, he's robust. My uncle is a Leeds fan, a diehard Leeds fan, home and away, um, back in the day, and he said he's just an absolutely incredible player, and we we'd be lucky to get him. So that's someone that's watched him play every single game, and then he comes up into the Premier League. Uh, you know, twenty two years old, and. Although there are rumours that the Leeds fans hijack the player of the season poll, much in the same way that Arsenal fans do, um, the the thing that I took from you know a season of finishing 16th isn't usually good for a centre-back. But Brighton fans, uh, one of the bloggers said he didn't put a foot wrong all season. When you compare that to our centre-backs and the number of um, you know unforced errors in the system, that feels like a, a positive. So you know he's he's played under. Um, uh, Bielsa, so you know that he can play in an intense system. He's played under Potter, so you know that that sort of positional game and um, you know the tactical awareness you need to play in that. He's got that, and he's capped at 23 years old. He's got Premier League experience. I'm like, you know, it, the 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 price, it, you know, there's the English tax, but if if he can open up um, the way the Arsenal attack, if he can move the ball through the lines, if he can progress the ball with his dribbling skills. I think he's worth a. I think he's worth a punt. It feels like a clever signing, built off of data, mm. and that's what's exciting <clears throat> me about it. And um, the fact that Manchester City uh, in for him now, and there's been preliminary talks according to Duncan Castles, just add weights to the the idea that maybe this is a player that uh, that the data people and the scouts are looking at that the fans didn't really notice last season. So I'm I'm positive about it. I'm getting hyped, and um, I, I think it would be a really good. Um, statement of ambition for Arsenal. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I am into the talking myself into it phase, right? So I'm trying to yeah. find the reasons for liking it. I like that he's getting some good reviews from his leads time because I think, Pedro, it's fair to say that some concern comes from his role at Brighton being very unusual. It's not an orthodox right-sided centre-back role. Now, you could say the positional play under Arteta means that this right-sided centre-back isn't a traditional role for us either. We had a midfielder sort of dropping in in the first phase. So, right, so Shaq would be more like a left center back. And then David Luiz, in that case, would have been more like a right-sided center back, stepping up, helping progress the ball, playing balls over the top. And we can get a lot of that back with Ben White. But do you have any concern about the fact that he almost looked like a right back at times, as a midfielder at times, that we don't, since Leeds, you know, his Premier League experience, we don't have a lot of exposure to him in what you'd consider more of a traditional back four center back role because we are about to make him, by my measure, the third most expensive center back transfer in history. So at that level, you're not looking for a punt, right? You're looking for certainty. You're looking for a sure thing, next five, six years, rock solid anchor of your central defense. And, and he is coming from a system where he wasn't, used exactly that way. So does that give you any pause? I think that one of the struggles that Arsenal are going to have this summer is there are players that we would like to sign that will only go to Champions League clubs. Yeah. Like I'm talking about like Locatelli. I would love to sign Locatelli, but if Juventus are offering him Champions League football, then he's going to go there. And then there are players in the Premier League that are in the bottom half of the table that will come with a bit of a premium. So the fee, the fee doesn't fuss me that much because if we're going to spend fifty-five million on Ben White, rest assured there is enough money elsewhere to strengthen the other areas that they want to. They won't. This, this isn't going to be like one of those Arsene Wenger summers where we don't sign an outfield player and it's just Peter Cech. 
that's on the books. Like I, I think that there is um, there's a big plan and they're looking at lots of different positions. So I'm I'm not too worried about that. The thing that I am looking for is what what does he solve for? Um, he's he's young. Uh, he he doesn't get injured very often. He's great at progressing the ball and. Does he? What's going to make Arsenal better next season? Uh, for me, like if you can get a centre, a central defender that can do the things that David Luiz can do, without the errors. Mm. Like I don't think he needs to be, um, you know, Maldini in his first season. He just needs to be able to do the things that David Luiz did really well and not make the same amount of errors. He just needs to be a, a solid, a solid defender that helps the system, and. I, I, I watching the videos of of what he offers like I think he can be that and at, and at 20 23 years old to be um in a in a defense at Arsenal is incredibly young I mean you can get 10 years out of him and my hope is that you know if he's the right player he'll get better and better maybe peak at 28 29 like Virgil van Dijk and then we'll look back at this fee and say oh my like we got a lot of value out of that there's yeah. still risk, but there's also risk associated with every single signing that you make. For me, if it's backed by data um, and it's also backed with, by the eye test in the championship and the Premier League, like I think it's a, I think it's a gamble worth taking. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I watched a Tifo video the other day. It's a great video. Yep, it's a great video. Great video. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, they I, I think those, I think those guys uh, nail their videos. I think they're very smart. And they said he's a very unusual defender. And I think because he's such an unusual defender, that's probably where some of the premiums coming from. Yes, he definitely. And that is the thing, right? That I'm, I'm going back and forth on, which is that he has characteristics that I wouldn't traditionally associate with a, an anchor of, of a back four central defense. Um, I, I think that's where the Saliba part of the conversation becomes interesting too, right? Because Saliba looks a lot more like your anchor of a central defense for years and years to come. His body, uh, his physique is just built for that role. Now he's a lot younger. He's a lot more raw. And I think it's poisoned the discussion to some extent. I mean, do you think it's fair, Pedro, that the existence of Saliba and the club's seeming uncertainty in how or if they want to use him at all, and the fact that we spent big on him, probably way too much on him, frankly, as a teenager— has made it difficult for people to just evaluate whether White is the right player at the right price because they can't help but say, well, wait, we bought this other expensive, big hype, young talent center back that we haven't even used. What's the deal with that? Like, do you feel that we need to try to evaluate these things separately? Because while it may frustrate people, it sure looks like the club has decided Saliba's not the future at that position. And whether or not that is the correct assessment, if that is their assessment, you can suddenly see why the position becomes a priority. I think the Saliba situation is absurd because Arsenal fans look at it through um, an, emo- an emotional lens, and we shouldn't. We should look through. We should look at it through a factual lens. Should mm-hmm. Arsenal have spent twenty-eight million pounds on a set on a central defender that's not going to be ready for three years? No, in exactly the same way that we shouldn't have spent seventy-two million on Nicolas Pepe. Yeah, exactly. Arsenal, mm-hmm. Arsenal fans at the start of last season were demanding Pepe start, but he wasn't. He wasn't good enough. You know, he he, he underperformed regularly. But we associated Pepe with that fee, and we do the same with William Saliba. Twenty-year-old centre backs don't really play for top four clubs in the whole of Europe. And I know that people keep on referencing Wesley Fofana. But 
uh, since he joined the Leicester defence, they conceded 20% more goals. You know, I don't, I, I don't think the um, playing Saliba just because he's expensive is the right move. I think that you should, you should play him when he's ready. And if he's ready, then he'll start. I don't think Arteta is going to have something against him. Um, and it's definitely poisoned the discourse against Ben White. And it's quite interesting to me that the, the people that complain about Arteta being a rookie the, in the most vocal of ways are also the people that are demanding that he puts a 20-year-old centre-back into his defence and starts him um, at the start of this season because that is a rookie mistake. No other top manager um, would do it. I also think the, the interesting story that came out uh, yesterday in France was that Ren had... Um, were trying to sign him last season on loan, and um, and and they they didn't bring him over. They didn't want him as their centre back. And my assumption is that they didn't pull the the trigger on him because he was inexperienced and they had top four aspirations and didn't want to take a chance on a nineteen year old. So if a, if a French team is having those considerations, why wouldn't Arteta? So I think the best thing for Saliba, if you were taking the emotion out of it, is he should go on loan to Newcastle. He should do what Ben White did. You know, Ben White is where he is right now because he took a season in the championship. Um, I think uh, I think going to, to to Newcastle, making your mistakes there, I ironing out the the physical problems that he had at the start of last season, getting used to the language. I think that that's the best thing for him. But Arsenal fans won't have it. <laughs> so, um, I, and I think that this is going to be a constant battle for Arteta. If he doesn't play him, there's going to be um, a lot of vitriol online. But I, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I, th- I think what's hard, Pedro, with that is just that. It is it is the case that we did buy Saliba probably for more than we should have, whether we should have bought him at all. But he does look talented. He has gotten pretty good reviews wherever he's been. And I think what we can agree on is it may have been a mistake to pay what we did, but it also seems like we have failed to have a clear plan for bringing him through. Now, that may not be the case, but it certainly looks to be the case. And so I think trying to pull all of these various issues apart and look at them independently because we're trying to see that the club really understands how to engage in this rebuild and buying a very talented expensive young player loaning him back for a year not knowing what to do with him when you get him back failing to loan him out at at the first opportunity last summer not playing him a minute after that and then loaning him out again it looks a little too haphazard with a big asset. Now, that doesn't mean he's ready and it doesn't mean he's the future. I think it just, there are a lot of people that look at that and say, gosh, that doesn't look like a plan and that's worrying. But if the assessment is that Saliba's not the guy, and I know some people will say, how can that be the assessment? It may be. And if it is the assessment, you know, these guys didn't buy Saliba. They didn't make that mistake. It's not their job to have to pin the future on him. It comes back to whether White is the guy. And and I think I think what's hard for me is just that I don't see it as clear-cut. We are making a very, very big statement, as you said. The price is the third most expensive center back in the history of transfers for a guy with one season in the Premier League where he played in a right-sided center back, midfield, right back, kind of hybridized role. He's very highly regarded. He's young. He's English. There's a tax for that. Hey, you know, could we have done John Stones a, a summer ago for half the fee? Also English, you know, would have been 26 at the time, so a little older, but with a lot of the same kind of qualities in terms of being good on the ball. Um, you know, I mean, that that was an option that, that it looks like we chose not to take. But I do tend to agree that if Saliba isn't ready, the idea of going into the season 
with a right-sided center back like Rob Holding, who's so limited, especially progressing the ball, does make it harder for us to improve the attack. I think you said something, though, Pedro, that, that I picked up on, which is you said, you know, believe me, if we're paying $55 million for Ben White, that's not all we're doing. I think the believe me part there is, is doing a lot of work because I, I, I'm still sort of in the incredulous mode where, like, I'd like to believe we're going to really push the boat out and spend $200 million this summer, but there's... It's very hard for me to believe that. And so I do think the order of operations comes into it here, right? Which is if we had already signed an awesome central midfield partner for party and a right back and a backup left back and maybe an attacking midfielder and Ben White was the last piece of the puzzle for $55 million, we'd be punching the air with what a great window we had. I think the skepticism about whether those other priority positions will get taken care of is you know, a little bit understandable. So let's switch gears here just a little bit on the t- t- two parts of this. One is the Arteta and Adu part. This seems like a summer where we may have a lot of money. And we are trusting it to a team in Adu and Arteta that have relatively little experience. Arteta, who may have been on the brink as recently as December of this past season, and who is in his first job. Do you have any concern at all that the scope of the rebuild, combined with the amount of money he's being given the chance to spend is a big, big risk on a very inexperienced guy whose position might be, you know, like a little more tenuous than you'd want to give the full transfer reins to. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of money to spend with a guy who was recently as six months ago, we weren't sure if he was going to make it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the the lack of experience that Arsenal have at an exec level across the board is frightening. You know, you've got uh, Vinay, first ever job as a as a CEO. Edu, first job in Europe mm-hmm. as a technical director after a, a pretty horrendous and um, a, a pretty horrendous group of transfers and some real weird sort of side stuff that, you know, th- that should ring a, a alarm bells. And obviously Arteta is, uh, is extremely rookie and he's made bad decisions as well. So I think a lot's resting on this summer. The, uh, I'm just choosing to be like hopeful about it. I, I, Arteta wanted Jorginho and John Stones last season and everyone laughed at him. And then both of those players ended up in the champions league final. Mm. Um, I think the, um, we had a problem in January. Um, you know, we had bad eggs behind the scene that we exited um, quite successfully. Martin Erdegaard, I think, was uh, was was a pretty sharp signing. I know he didn't hit the heights, but it felt intelligent. And then Thomas Partey and, and Gabriel as a centre back felt like smart signings. The the real dud was obviously William. So my hope is that that they're using um, they're using data this summer. Um, you know, you've got a lot of smart people behind the scenes at Arsenal. And my other hope is that uh, being on the brink of losing your job and losing your career has a way of sharpening the mind. You know, uh, like if Arteta fucks this up, it's 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 not Barcelona and Manchester City for his next job. Yeah. If Edu botches this summer, he's going back to Brazil. No one's going to hire him. So the hope is that there's um, uh, a renewed focus um, behind the scenes. There is definitely money to spend. Um, I think it's going to be difficult, and I think it's. I think they've got lots of options on the table because Arsenal aren't in a position of strength. But I feel like Arteta wants to be the best in the world. Uh, you know, he, he wants to go to the very top. And I, my hope is that since Christmas, since um, since. since he had that sort of pivot and that turning point. 
things are looking better. And if we carry that through to next season and do a whole nine months, we'll be top four. So a big summer, loads of risk associated with it. We're going all in on, on, on young and inexperienced. And the hope is that what comes out the back end feels innovative and feels balanced. Mm. I mean, it, it, it is tricky too, because I mean, the, the squad that's been handed to these guys was, was extremely imbalanced and trying to extricate themselves from some bad contracts was a challenge. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the bad eggs behind the scene and that, that can be challenging as well. The, in terms of what's possible, you know, you know, I think part of the problem with rebuilding is everybody wants to see results immediately. And unlike in American sports where you have a salary cap and so you have to do it over time, you can't do it all at once. In football, there is a feeling you can do it all at once. But I think that's led to us making more bad decisions than good ones. Decisions like Willian, where it's intended to just be short-term, make you better right away. Um, you know, and they, they rarely work out. And then you're saddled with expensive older guys you can't move on. But in terms of what's realistic, you know, I look at United spending. They, they signed Sancho. There's a lot more that they're linked with. Harry Kane and... and um, what You Well, Varane, yeah. I mean, Camavinga's linked with United over at City. They've got um, Kane and Grealish linked with them. Chelsea, Holland, which is, you know, terrifying. In terms of what's possible, what do you think the club should be trying to build towards for this season? Not long-term. Long-term, obviously, try to win the title, try to win the Champions League. But what what do you think is a realistic goal to set, having been eighth in consecutive seasons? What should we as fans consider the right amount of progress for the season that's coming up? I think from from Eddie's perspective... He has got to give Arteta a squad where there are no excuses Mm. because I'm, I'm sick of making excuses for the, for the mess that's been going on at Arsenal. So starting the season with a balanced squad. So we've got all of the pieces there. You know, it's been 18 months that Arteta has been in charge. It's time to get serious and it's time to, to, to make an impact on the league. And then Arteta really it's, it's top four this season. I don't think that there can be. If we spend 150 million this summer, you've you've got to make a run for top four. If you're a generational coach, 150 million on an on a squad that's got a lot of the 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 core pieces that you want already. Like, let's not pretend that we don't have a lot of good players in that squad. And if we are within spitting distance of top four heading into heading into March, then then we've got a chance because the hope is that the back end of the season is going to be better for us. You know, our bigger games are at home. Mm. Um, the squad will have will have gelled to to the ideas, and um, and 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 hopefully there'll be a bit of a momentum. Um, you know, so I think top four is the expectation this season. Edu's got to have a good summer. And um, hopefully having fans back in the stadium is going to make things um, better for everybody. I mean, the Brighton game at the end of last season, I know it's only Brighton, but the football was good. It felt like the the players were bouncing off of the fans a little bit. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to hopefully having a, a much more prosperous year. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is it should make things better at home. Going to make things obviously harder away. Uh, so it may balance out. But I, I think, you know, you talked about you know, having a squad that, that should be able to push for top four. I guess the question is how we get that. And you like the Ben White deal, and I'm talking myself into the Ben White deal, but it's also predicated, I think both of us would agree, on other business getting done. Now, Lukonga looks like smart su- succession planning for party. Tavares looks like smart, just asset acquisition, inexpensive, talented attacking fullback, can play on the right a bit, can play when Tierney's injured, great. Um... 
There are some other moves I'm not so sure about. Ramsdale looks like one that I wouldn't be as excited about, but I don't think goalkeeper is going to be the, the limiting factor one way or the other. So let's talk about the other positions then that you regard as needing to happen. I mean, let's say we sign Ben White, for example, but don't actually do anything substantial at central midfield. That I would regard that as having been... I hate to use the word failure, but I, I'm, str- I'm struggling to think of another one. Uh, you're, you're the positive guy these days. Maybe you'll think of another way to put it. Would you say that a party partner becomes the absolute priority on top of that business that, that I mentioned? Yeah, 100%. I saw, um, I, I was reading your tweets the other day. And, I'm so um, sorry. You're supposed to block yeah. me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Oh, yeah, you, you're not on mute. You're not on mute. You're in the, you're in the top of my feed every day. That's elite. So uh, you said that you didn't feel like uh, the signings that we've made or looked like we were making so far moved us forward. And I, I, I disagree uh, a little bit. So firstly, can I, just, can we, I just correct the record on that just a little bit? Yes. I think they move us forward. I don't know if they move the needle. Like it's 105 million pounds is what I said. So it was 20 million on Ramsdale, Lakanga, yeah. Tavares, and 55 on Ben White. And I said, I don't know if, so I just want to be clear because because people will yell at me. So before you get going, I'm going to, I'm going to correct this. It's not that I don't think it moves us forward. It's that I'm not sure. I think you could spend 105 million pounds better than that in terms of moving the club forward. You see what I mean? It wasn't that it yeah. doesn't move us forward. It clearly does. It's a question of whether that's how you'd want to spend 105 million pounds. You know? Right. But yeah, but so, go for it. Sorry. So uh, the the Aaron Ramsdale thing uh, w- would be baffling i would be absolutely shocked if we spent anywhere near that amount of money on a backup goalkeeper i think the job should be can't find a goalkeeper better than burnt leno then help burnt leno be happier at arsenal give him a new deal um, because i think there's more important positions to bolster but Mm. i think the um signing signing players that add uh depth that makes sense is really important I, um, I think we make. I think we make top four last season if Kieran Tierney doesn't get injured, or if we have a backup left back that is better than what we had on offer. It shouldn't be Cedric Suarez. It shouldn't be Granite Shaka. So if you sign in somebody that can come in for 15, 20 games next season and do seventy percent of what Kieran Tierney does, then you're in a better position. I think Lakonga is a, a replacement for Danny Ceballos. I just don't believe that we're going to pick up a guy from the Belgian league and expect him to come in and adapt to the Premier League straight away. No and chance. I, I, there, there is absolutely no way that we don't replace Granit Xhaka. I don't think Granit Xhaka was on the list of exits at the start of the season. I think that he was uh, he was the least of our problems. I think he was very much trusted um, by Arteta. I don't think there was an expectation that he goes. We are definitely going to replace there. And we're going to add... Um, to an attacking midfielder. I don't think it would be James um, Madison, but Erdegaard was top of the priority list at the start of the season. Now he, he's not going to come in. We definitely bid for Buendia. Did you want Buendia? I, I, I love uh, players that have that sort of Alexis Sanchez energy. I think he would have been a really, really good signing. But obviously there's a, a price point that we didn't want to match or there were some things going on in the deal that we didn't like. save money to make on. a record-breaking centre-back signing. Come on, Pedro. Yeah. We can still well, turn this negative if we try. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, wanted to, I actually wanted to get your take on, um, on a signing in central midfield. Uh, I've seen that we've been linked with uh, Marcel Sabitza um, mm-hmm. of Leipzig. Or 15 million and um, I I think 
I wondered what you thought about him as a midfielder because he seems much more like a, an upgrade on Xhaka than he does an alternative to James Madison. You know, like he's he's a bit more um, he's a bit more of an attacking player, but he seems to be very much a, a deep lying midfielder or 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 at most. Uh, a centre midfield. I wanted to get your take on like what you thought of a, a signing like that instead of a Locatelli. Well, I mean, first of all, he's 27. So, you know, I think he's way too old to be playing football at this point. He should be in a rocking chair somewhere. No, I'm kidding. Right, too old. Um, he, no, he's, he's probably okay. Look, this is, this is really the, the challenge. And the reason why the Ben White fee, I think, is sticker shock too. We are in an unprecedented situation in terms of the disparity in fees buying from the continent versus buying in the Premier League. There's a huge benefit to buying English and buying in the Premier League. But is it 3x, 4x, 5x? Because that's what the prices are right now. I mean, you know, if you want to buy from France, it's it's discounts and sales every day, right? So yeah. I think, obviously, at that price, I think you almost have to do it. He is a central midfielder who gives you end product, who gives you some some goal contribution, some assist contribution, who creates shots, who makes progressive passes. He profiles at some level a little bit like Shaka, but with more end product contribution. He's an intercepty, uh, progressive passing midfielder who gives you some end product. And Shaka is a progressive passing midfielder who doesn't really contribute uh, in the end product category. So I, I do like him. I mean, I, you know, do I think he's the absolute best of what we can get? I think there is a point at which you you want to try to find value because it lets you solve as many positions as possible, right? I mean, it is the question whenever you, you know, you look at Pepe for 72 million pounds. Pepe's a very good player. I'm thrilled we have him. The question isn't whether he's good. It's whether would 72 million pounds have been able to make us better than just adding Pepe? And that's where I think you say, well, yeah, you know, we, we could have done more with that. So yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting shout, a guy that we could go for. Here's the thing about Shaka. Shaka isn't bad. He is a very, very good player. I think he is a position where we can upgrade and it would make us a lot better. But the problem with Shaka being good is there's probably not a lot of cheap players who can come in and be better than Shaka was. So the question is, do you want to go a little less expensive and just change the profile, right? Go with like an athlete, someone who's more of a destroyer who runs around, who does tackles and frees Thomas Party to get up pitch more. Or do you want to take Shaka's profile? high volume passer, high final third entry, high progressive passer, and add some end product to it, add some goals and assists, that's going to be super expensive. That's Manuel Locatelli. But maybe you try that with a Sabitzer. If, I mean, if he's 15 million, which I absolutely doubt is the case, then yeah, I think you could just go ahead and do that. But at 27, if you put him on, you know, 140 grand a week or whatever it takes to get a player like that, I don't know, you are in a situation where once again, three seasons from now when he's in the last year of his contract, you're probably giving him away pretty cheap. But if you've acquired him at 15 million, that's a much different problem to have than acquiring Thomas Party for 50 million, for example. So yeah, I think it's a clever way to do it. I like when the club gets clever. I like when we find clever solutions. Um, And so, you know, to your point last season, would we have been better if we had a backup left back? Yes. But I think you could also say we would have been better if Arteta had just been willing to say, Saka's my left back while Tierney's out and I'll use Pepe on the right. You know, so I think... There are, there are times when it's a solution in the market and there are times when it's a solution of tactics and selection. I, I think central midfield is really important. This is going to be a silly one that we could probably dismiss, but the Villa rumors to wanting to buy Smith Rowe. I think a lot of people have an eye on this just because it's a curious situation. 
I can't imagine how they would go about getting him. And it certainly seems like an agent maneuver to get more money. But do you feel that Arsenal are vulnerable to that sort of thing at any level because of the extent to which some of the luster has come off the club? I mean, I can't see Smith Rowe leaving, but do you have a different perspective on that? I if, if I think if this was going on three years ago or four years ago uh, under sort of the, the, the tail end of Wenger, I would have been concerned. But if, if Arteta has done anything um, to a high level, it's uh, convincing young players that their career is best served at Arsenal. At Saka was a worry, and he had much bigger clubs than Aston Villa chasing him down. Uh, Flo Balogun, well, I, I, I was completely resigned to Same, him exiting the club because yep. I, I, I can't even see how he gets into the team. So to convince him that his career is best served at Arsenal is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with Smith-Rowe, Villa can offer, there's nothing Villa can offer. Can you offer him more minutes? Absolutely not. Problem at Arsenal is we give Smith-Rowe too many minutes for hmm. a, a player so young. Can we offer him more prestige? That like when you're, when you're a London boy, there is nothing more exciting than being a big name and a star in your hometown. Like it's a, it's a, it's a badge of honor. Uh, so you can't offer more um, prestige. Maybe you could offer him a bit more money, but long-term like, like is what's going to be better for his career going to Aston Villa or, or staying at Arsenal. And I think that being a star at Arsenal puts you in a different type of shop window. If in two years that is still not going well. So I don't, I don't think there's any concern there. I think it's a mutually uh, beneficial rumor for both clubs. Villa are, you know, like Samsung trying to pick holes at Apple. The, 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 they don't, they don't think that they're better than Apple. They just want to be in that conversation. And I think that that's what Aston Villa are doing. They want to be seen as the big boys, even though they're not. And then for Smith Rowe, does it put another 10 or 15 grand on his contract? Probably. And I, I don't think there is a single Arsenal fan out there that would deny him that. So I'm not I'm not really concerned um, about young players exiting the club because the coaching under Arteta, whether you like him or not, is absolutely top draw. And, um, you know, it, 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 it makes players better. So... I think uh, I think he'll stay, and um, and I hope he gets a big fat contract because he genuinely brings uh, he he brought joy to the worst season ever last year, and he, he, an absolute star in the making, in my opinion. It is funny how easy it is to make fans happy, right? Like bring a few academy kids through who give you hope for the future, play a little bit of exciting football, and and that can go a long way. So I guess we can start to turn the corner here towards the end of the conversation, focusing on Arteta a little bit. Um, it it didn't look good in December. And I was, I think, just about all the way out. And just when I thought I was out, he pulled me back in, as the saying goes. I think Arteta did a great job to get it turned around, although I think there is fair disagreement about how great a job he did to get it turned around. I would be interested to get your take on the finish to the season and if it is enough to really be all in on this coach. And for you, what are the missing pieces that Arteta has to get right this season early on to show you that the the trajectory is continuing in the right way. Cause I think, I think there's encouragement from the way we finish the season. I don't want to under undermine that at all, but there are still in my mind, big missing pieces that he has to fill in some of that in the transfer market, some of that with his own coaching. So for you, what are those things that he has to get right? And do you think that the, the confidence in him is still warranted? I think Fans that aren't confident in him have every right um, to be majorly concerned because he doesn't have a history 
Mm. No, um, and I think the uh, I I think the fans maybe underestimate how hard the job was to move from the the sort of half baked Unai Unai Emery squad to the sort of football that Arteta wants to to bring over. So I think that he has to show us the promised land this season, right? I don't think we saw enough games like the Brighton one where the football was exciting um, and, you know, we were sort of free-flowing. Our best players were looking like our best players. So I think that he has to finally transition to this is what my vision of football is. These are the players that I believe in and we're going to push things forward and hit these lofty goals that I've set for myself. Uh, I, I think that I think that he's done some really good things. Arsenal have never been solid. In, what, in at least 15, 20 years, I can't remember Arsenal um, limiting teams um, the way that Arteta does. And I know that sometimes that comes at the cost of attack. So if he can continue the the positives, like make us a solid side, if he can reduce the errors in the system by 50% next season, so we're not constantly punching ourselves in the face. <laughs> and uh, and if, if, he can make, if he can bring back sexy football, like fans are, are simple beings. You know, if we finish fifth next season, but the football is electric, mm-hmm. uh, then he survives. If we finish fifth next season and we're putting, you know, 15 men behind the ball uh, against uh, Everton, then he's probably not going to survive. But I think the... 60 if you do 60% of the season in a continuous run and that puts you second for points second for goals third for defense um that's a pretty good run you know Tuchel uh, had a, had a great run like that and everyone thinks he's going to win the title next season um i think that we should give arteta the benefit of the doubt he picked up a toxic squad they didn't do enough last summer he 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 worked through a pandemic you know, if, if Jurgen Klopp can go from 100 points to whatever it was, 67, I think that we can forgive a rookie manager for not blowing it out the park. Mm. And then really, but this is the season to deliver. If he doesn't deliver, if he's in the same situation this December as he was last December, he's out the door. And then we move on to the next manager. And then, then the big worry is you end up like Spurs and Everton. People think you're getting Conte and you end up with, uh, you end up with Nuno. <laughs> yeah. That, I, that was a good outcome, by the way. I'm very happy with that. I'm so um, happy. Yeah, I mean, they are going to play some desperately poor football next year. I mean, it might be effective at times, but it's certainly not going to be any fun for them to watch, which I, I'm optimistic about. And the Everton fans hate their coach already, and they haven't kicked a ball yet. So that that's always fun. Um, all right, well, look, I mean, I guess then it's just a case now of we're going to have a sense of whether this was a successful summer at the end of the summer. And that that's the way the transfer window works. There's no two ways around it. And I think the one thing that I just, I want to say, sometimes it can be slippery trying to pin people down for their opinion. But do you think it's fair to say that by the end of this summer, by somewhere around the middle of this season, both Adu and Arteta will be in a position where it is fair to judge the work they've done? Because I know some people have said it's too soon on them, or, you know, we don't know what deals Adu did. Last summer might have been more Raul, and Arteta's had the pandemic, and, you know, he had a squad that needed to be repaired, and this, that, and the other thing, and, and injuries, and fine. Do you think it is fair to say that both of them, I'm not saying the job will be finished by the end of the summer and by the middle of this season, there's work to be done, but that we will have enough information to be able to start really assessing them and that it will be fair to do so, you know, as this season goes on. Yeah, we we have to be in a position by the end of the summer where we can say, I see what the vision is with this squad and I'm excited by it. 
Like we can't have a a, a summer where we just sign two defenders yeah. and and a bunch of twenty year old kids. So I think there's a lot of pressure uh, on Edu to to get things right, and I think that by December we'll know whether taking a chance on uh, on a young upstart coach with big ideas was a good idea or a bad idea. And this this is the season for judgment. No, you don't get longer than 18 months as a Premier League manager and uh, there can't be any excuses. Nothing can be left on the table um, this summer. And if like, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the Super League fuck up because if there's apology to all money and we go out and spend it and it moves us into the top four, like I, I'll, I'll deal with the three days of protest. So I think there's a lot of hope that we're going to get this right. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that we're signing up players. I think we've got a great crop um, coming through and even if it goes wrong by December, as long as we've got a good squad for the next manager, that's all that matters. And I don't think Wenger left us with a great squad and I don't think Emery left Arteta with a great squad. So as long as um, we continue whatever the vision is that Arteta was setting with the next manager, um, then Arsenal fans will be, you know, should be happy. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see, Pedro, how spending badly is worse than not spending at all, right? Because look what Raul did, right? I mean, he gives you... A, an extravagantly expensive winger that y- you arguably don't need. Willian, Cedric, Marie, you know, players that don't move the needle, who aren't on movable contracts, particularly later in their career in many instances. Um, you know, there were some good deals in there as well. But like, and suddenly just trying to get people to go away, just trying to get them out of the squad is, is hard enough, let alone trying to replace. News now that the inter-Miami deal to bring in Willian has collapsed because he wants too much money, so at least Arteta will have that extra attacking option, so that's nice to see. Um, but yeah, I, I think if I have to have fear, and as you know, my friends call me whiskers because I'm a warrior, it, it would <laughs> be that big, big money summers don't come around every summer at Arsenal in terms of just being handed a lot of money to go solve all the squad problems. We are handing it to a relatively inexperienced team in Edu and Arteta and Vinay and you know, maybe I guess Garlic's involved in that at some level and Tim Lewis. But like, if they get it right, it can propel us to really shortcutting this this rebuild to some extent. If they don't get it right, a huge money summer may have been, you know, I hate to use the word wasted, but misallocated. And it may not come around again for a while. And the next guy might be told, well, we used up all the money last summer. These are the pieces you have to make it work with. So there's a lot, it feels like a lot riding on this. The one thing I will say that is a huge cause for optimism, when you have a potentially generational talent in Saka, with a potentially generational talent in Smith Rowe, with a potentially generational talent in Gabriel Martinelli, all in the team at the same time, all 19, 20, 21, that is a huge shortcut. That is a thing that, to buy that kind of talent could have been 150 million pounds or more for the three of them in a season or two. So the hope is that that kind of shortcut makes it a lot easier for you to go in the direction you want. And I think you can add players like like Kieran Tierney, you know, players that are really special in attitude and in quality. Um, so a lot to be excited about. We'll see if they get all the, the business done. I, th- I don't care what Ben White costs if Ben White is the piece we need. Right, that that shouldn't yeah. matter. I, I think the question becomes: Can we get Ben White and still get the other stuff we need? And if we do that, I don't think there'll be a lot of debate about it. And frankly, I think I've thankfully moved past the period of being like, "But Saliba, but Saliba, all right, you know what? But Saliba, nothing. That that clearly we've made the decision. That's not the guy. We'll find out if that was right or wrong. But this is what we're doing now. So it's time to see if this can work. Um, 
I think we can leave it there unless you have a final thought on that point. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's so much to be positive about. Like Flo Balogun, you know, if, if, if he'd gone to, uh, gone to a European club, you'd be looking at him being a £40 million player. In, mm-hmm. a, in a couple of seasons, like there's another player that could solve a lot of problems at the back end of of next season. So, I think if um, if it, it, I, I actually agree with you on um, signing the the right level of player. If we go and sign our uh, spend our 150 million on players under the age of 25 this summer, they've got a couple of seasons experience uh, in top leagues. Um, we're going to be in good shape, whatever happens with Arteta. But I think if you give Arteta the right pieces, I think he's got a, a fairly good idea of, of what's needed. And I, I, I'm hopeful that we can surprise a few people this season because I've put my entire reputation on the line on this and it cannot go wrong. So, See, this is this is your problem, right? Which is, if you lower your reputation enough, putting it on the line is no big deal. And I have worked my ass off to be able to put my <laughs> reputation on the line repeatedly with actually very little at stake. And, and it's what I recommend doing. Pedro, I got, I got to be honest. I, I really enjoy hearing your thoughts on it because I am inclined to be mistrustful of the club because we've been burned. I mean, it's not just yes. because I'm whiskers. I mean, there's there's plenty of reason. But I think, you know, you have definitely helped me through your Twitter feed and your podcast and coming on today to at least consider an alternative where the moves make sense and the the trajectory could be positive and I I would prefer that because the thing that gets lost in all this positive negative binary that we that we often refer to is everybody wants Arsenal to be good. We love the yes. club. We care about the club so deeply and seeing it do dumb things, bad things, be bad hurts us. And that's why we get upset. It's not just to be miserable. So, yeah, I I'd love for your worldview to be the one that that comes to fruition and when uh Ben White uh, makes his first huge error, hauls down a guy for a red card and a penalty uh, against Brentford on opening day. Uh, I pray for your mentions. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I know. I know. Yap Stan did that, though, remember? <laughs> Got turned inside yep. out in the in the charity shield. Um, uh, Elliot, thank you so much for having me on. I love this podcast. Um, I think you do a great job, and I'm so happy to see all the success that uh, the, the team's having on this one. You should wait to hear my opinions when I'm uh, several drinks into it, which I hope you'll do in Vegas. I will work on getting you to agree to that later, and we'll get you added to the roster. Uh, You can go sign up for that, by the way, if you're listening at footballfest2021.com, and maybe, hopefully, possibly meet Pedro in person, um, which would be much more exciting than meeting me in person, that's for sure. Okay, we'll leave it there. Pedro's on Twitter, obviously, at LaGrove. Listen to his podcast. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, He's he's basically Team Positive Gunner, which is what he's been known for for years and years and years. (laughs) Pedro, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, my name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, we really do love you for being here. And, and I think it's such a fun time because we're actually doing stuff. You know the gif where the stick figure puts a stick at the thing and says, do something? Well, we're doing something. And that's exciting. You know, and maybe football's coming home. So for all my English listeners, very happy for you for that. So a lot more to come. Lukanga and Tavares scouting video on the Patreon side is probably going to be up tomorrow uh, as everything rolls on and then Euro Daily will come back with the quarterfinals. So until then, I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're doing well and not taking too many of the rumors too seriously. But even if you are, that could be fun too. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 transfer window. Number-